Hello and welcome to Solutions, our third podcast for solution-focused hypnotherapists. I'm Cathy Eland. And I'm Trevor Edwards, and we're both experienced solution-focused hypnotherapists. We thought this time we'd look at scripts or language patterns. So what's the difference between a script and a language pattern, Cathy? In essence, a script is made up of language patterns. Language patterns are paragraphs within a script that can be taken out and used separately to either add to an existing script or to create a completely new one. If hypnotherapists learn a few language patterns, they always have something useful to say to a client lying in blissful comfort in trance. It gives them a framework that they can use to wrap around words and phrases, even whole paragraphs, while sometimes spontaneously creating other phrases that seem suitable for their client at that time. So not to confuse graduates of CPHT, who are taught to refer to all the scripts as language patterns. Okay. Our close Facebook group from time to time has people asking whether anyone has a script for some particular problem their client faces. What do you think about specific scripts? I know newly qualified therapists often treat scripts like Harry Potter type spells. The therapist simply reads the script and the client is immediately better. Sadly, that's not quite how it works. Yeah, when I first qualified, I downloaded just about every script I could get my hands on. And to be honest, most of them I've never used. Yeah, I was the same. I can remember doing that for children. And over time, I went right back to my originals. Does that mean there are some you do? Yeah, I like the CPHT scripts, with the exception of Game Players Planet. I never knew what that one meant. I like Terence Watt's scripts, and I like Linda Hudson, her children's scripts. Uh, and there are others. Um, I do tend to make up my own ones, and I do sometimes frame existing ones in terms of something else, whatever the client likes. So a day at the beach in a country park, hot air ballooning, whatever. Yeah. Are there any rules to follow when you're going off piece, Trevor? Yeah, I do have some rules of thumb. Shall I listen? Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Uh, Use the present tense so the client can see themselves doing whatever you're talking about. And be exciting. Use lots of powerful, amazing wonderful fantastic adjective (laughs) lots of hyperbole always be moving towards something never away from anything you know they want to be teetotal not never have a drink be conversational nothing that will get you high marks from your english teacher at school and don't be too exact with descriptions the client can fill in the details and use repetition you know like the adverts do and be realistic even referring to how the client dealt with the difficulty in the past. And of course, use all the senses, how they feel, what they can see, how bright it is, how clear it is, what they can hear. Yeah, you know, is it clear as a bell, whatever, smell, taste, all these things are great. Describe the client behaving in the way they want to behave and use lots of pauses. Well, that's my list. Uh, you're going to tell us about direct and indirect suggestion, aren't you? Oh, well, let's let's start with direct suggestion. Uh, this is where I say you can walk into the interview full of confidence with a big smile on your face. And often people will react against being told what to do. We all know about that from neuroscience. So more usually we use indirect suggestion, for example, and you'd feel so relieved when you find yourself confidently entering the room and you wouldn't be at all surprised to feel yourself smiling in anticipation. 
Yeah, Milton Erickson was pretty good at the indirect stuff, wasn't he? In fact, the founders of NLP modelled his style and codified it, which is their way of saying that they watched what he did and grouped his techniques under different names. So shall we run through them? Do you want to start? Yeah, okay, that's great. There are many, all, I have to say, fascinating. So here goes. So let's start with nominalisation. This is naming an abstraction, something with no physical form something that can't be put in a wheelbarrow. These are often verbs that have been turned into nouns. Words ending in ship, meant, shun, or ing are often nominalizations. Respect, comfortable, and communication are all nominalizations. Okay, mind reading. This is where you act as if you know what a person is thinking or feeling. And then you add a positive suggestion. So, for example... You are becoming more curious about how those changes are occurring. Or, and your mind is now more open to the idea of change. Or, part of your mind is wondering how quickly you'll go into trance. I love that last one. Okay, moving on. So let's look at presuppositions. These are where an assumption is made that something is true. And so there's no need to mention it. The focus is on the consequence of the assumption. That means that the client never think about the validity of the assumption. I'll give you an example. As you relax more deeply now, you begin to feel different. Or, I don't know whether you'll go into trance before the relaxation is fully complete or straight away. Or, and the little things you notice remind you of how you're able to relax more completely. Okay, embedded commands. Now, the trick here is to have an ordinary sentence to highlight certain words or phrases, the commands that are embedded in the sentence. And how do you highlight those commands? Well, you can change the intonation in your voice as you say those words. You can speak slightly louder or use a deeper tone of voice. I do that with down and down, you know, as you go down and down. Anyway, so technically, <laughs> these are called analogic markers. So you're embedding direct commands in a seemingly ordinary sentence. The technique is also sometimes known as interspersal. I'll be looking out for those later. Truisms. These are statements that are true and usually obviously true. In hypnotherapy, what you do is state the truism, which the client has to agree with. State a second truism, again gaining agreement, and then make a third statement. The effect of set means they should agree with that one as well. That third statement delivers an important message to the client. For example, everyone needs to be loved by someone and everyone wants to be liked. And you're finding it easier to listen to your feelings. Okay. Unspecified verb. These sound good but their exact meaning cannot usually be clearly defined. So the client provides their own meaning. Words in this category include wonder, learn, know, feel, think, and change. They're non-specific and could apply to anything. Examples of their use are, your unconscious mind understands everything it needs to, or you may be wondering how quickly you'll go into trance. Great, and there's more. Using non-specific objects, more vague words such as outcomes, resources, and considerations. Here's an example. And when you leave here today, you will have all the resources you need to da-da-da-da. Or, this is the way to understanding da-da-da-da. 
Okay, 10 questions. These are questions put at the end of a sentence that reduce resistance. And of course, they expect the answer, yes. So for example, you're enjoying listening to this podcast, aren't you? That's an example of a tag question. And you will take control of your life, won't you? That's another example. Those are great, but you have to practice them. Let's carry on. Lost performatives. This actually means giving a value judgment, saying whether something is good or bad, without explaining who made the judgment. Here's an example. It's a good thing to wonder. Or, no bad habit can withstand the power of the mind. When you hear them, you feel like saying, says who? Universal quantifiers, then. They're called universal because we're talking about words like all, every, always, etc. By their very nature, the universal qualifier statements are exaggerations. So, for example, no one fails once they've made their mind up or every word you hear will be used by your unconscious mind. Okay. What about conversational postulates? These are a way of asking the client to do something, but you are wrapping it up as a simple yes or no question. You may use them with children. For example, can you tidy your room today? It's not really a question. You're just saying, go and tidy your room. In therapy, we might say, can you imagine feeling completely relaxed? Or, I wonder if you can imagine a quiet beach somewhere. I certainly can. I'm sat at the beach bar right now. If only. Right, non sequitur or or cause and effect. Now, a non sequitur is a statement where you suggest that action A results in action B occurring. In effect, you're saying A causes B. And as usual with these things, action A is true and the client acknowledges that fact. And so they accept action B, even though there's no logical link between the two. For example, paying attention to your breathing can make you relax even more. Or, while you're resting so comfortably, your unconscious mind is making all the changes it needs. Good words to use are causes, requires, makes, forces, and during, while, soon, as, and when. Right. Okay, let's talk about complex equivalence. This is where you tell the client that one thing is the same as or equivalent to something else. This implies that because the first thing is true, the second must be. You can use the words, that means, for example. You may notice how much slower your breathing has become. And that means you are relaxing so well. Or you are here today. That means you are prepared to make changes in your life. Non-specific comparison. This is a statement that includes a comparison, but doesn't say what it's being compared against. For example, and you'll find that you're much more relaxed. Or, and you'll find yourself changing faster. Now, when you hear these, you should be shouting back, then what? Then what? But of course, most people don't. Let's look at extended quotations. One way to avoid suggestions resistance is to attribute it to someone else. It's possible to have more than one quotation. It's possible to have more than one level of quotation, which can cause a fair amount of confusion in the mind of the client, but can help them to accept the suggestion. We'll start with a simple example. I had a client yesterday who said they thought the secret of confidence was to Or a more complicated example, 
I spoke to David about this, and he saw Susan, who quoted him as saying that a good night's sleep has such powerful benefits. Negative suggestions. The old pink elephant trick. You tell a client not to think of something, and, of course, they do think of it, which is what you wanted all along. You can say things like, I don't want you to feel that you're going into trance now, or you don't have to imagine being completely relaxed and in control. I love the next one, confusional language. The idea behind this is that the conscious mind concentrates on what's being said. And because it's confusing, start using transdeverational searches to find the real meaning. This gives the unconscious mind the space it needs to pick up on what's being said. There are phonological ambiguities, a bit like the two Ronnie's famous four candle sketch. Simple examples are there, there or there, days and days, or wonder at the wonder of the waves of relaxation. More complicated phrases can be joined such as relaxed and at peace of mind can come easily. So whenever I stumble over what I'm saying, I claim I'm using confusional language. Nice. Okay, modal operators. These are phrases using words that imply things could or must happen. The words to use include could, should, can, will, must, might, etc. So, for example, you could say, you could be surprised how quickly you go into trance. Or each breath you take can lead to greater relaxation. Okay, sectional restriction violations and animations. This refers to giving objects or animals characteristics or qualities that they don't really possess. For example, that couch knows many client secrets or the wind in the trees brings answers to your questions. It's like using a mini metaphor, rather poetic. Illusionary choice or double binds. Parents use this all the time with younger children. For example, do you want to clean your teeth before your story or after? The child thinks they have control and are making their own decisions. The adult knows that their child will definitely be cleaning his or her teeth tonight. With a client, you might say, I wonder whether you will go into trance quickly or slowly. The client thinks they can decide on the speed. The therapist knows that they get the desired result. A client in trance. And let's not forget the old favourites, metaphors, similes, analogies and stories. These can all be used to create pictures in a person's mind. They can then interpret the picture in a way that works for them. A simple simile could be used to get the client to imagine themselves being as strong as an ox or as brave as a lion. And this kind of idiomatic speech works nicely in trance. Listen to what your client says during the first part of the session to know what metaphors work best for them. Some people like talking about computer programs, others do not. Some people don't like particular animals. So pick your metaphor carefully. We don't want it to be rejected by the client and be a waste of both your time. Metaphors can be used to help reframe something in the client's life, enabling new learning, guiding their thinking and behavior and bypass limiting beliefs. The client listens to the metaphor and over time finds parallels in their own life. And from that, you can start to apply changes, changes in their lives based on the insights they've gained from the metaphor. 
Yeah, brilliant. I just thought I'd clarify what was meant by a trans-derivational search. It's the process by which a client associates the words used in trance with their model of the world. So each client's interpretation will be unique. Anyway, moving on, you had some good words to use in trance, didn't you? Yes, these seem to have a hypnotic effect when the rest of the sentence is subsequently added. Here's the list. Imagine. Let's pretend. Suppose. As. The more. Every time. Because. Which means. And. What's it like when? What would it be like if? Remember. Find yourself. Realise. Sooner or later. Now, you've got an example script you wrote, haven't you, Trevor? I read it last night. It was absolutely amazing. I'm looking forward to this. Yes, it's to help someone sleep. Um, Here goes, perhaps with a bit more emphasis than usual. As you lie there now, listening to my words, you find yourself starting to let yourself relax. I want you to think about how you'll feel when you wake up in the morning after a good night's sleep. Imagine how amazing you'll feel having slept through the night. And then picture the scene when you've slept all through the night for a whole week. And you've woken up each day feeling great. So you're probably hoping that tonight will be the first of those nights. Just imagine what it would be like if you slept through seven nights in a row. Wouldn't you agree that being completely relaxed is the best way to go to sleep? And listening to my download can help you achieve that. The great thing about sleep is that it's free and there's nothing new in the world about that. Just let yourself remember for a moment the time when you have been completely relaxed and so incredibly comfortable. Just feel again what it felt like. Hear again any sounds you could hear then. Or maybe it was completely quiet. And smell and taste again, any smells and tastes you experience then. Let that relaxation memory just sweep over you. And as you remember that feeling of total relaxation, imagine what it would be like if you could bring that feeling right back to each and every bedtime. And imagine when you get into bed tonight and settle down to sleep, those same feelings of relaxation sweeping over you. And because you are lying still in bed, you'll be so pleased to find yourself starting to relax. And as those waves of relaxation pass over you, you'll remember that time when you were perfectly relaxed. Perhaps you even fell asleep then. And you can give yourself permission to fall asleep tonight. And that means you're already starting your week of sleeping through every night. Just picture it, finding yourself in the deepest, the most tranquil state of calmness imaginable. So calm that you realize you can really unwind and let go. And as that feeling of serenity washes over you, you know that sooner or later, you'll enjoy wonderful, peaceful relaxation and then sleep. Just imagine it now, lying in bed and naturally drifting off to sleep, 
finding yourself so relaxed that sleep just comes by itself. As you breathe in and out, you will notice an ever-deepening comfort starting to develop, which means that relaxation will lead to a long and revitalizing sleep. And if for some reason you don't find yourself drifting nicely into the welcoming arms of sleep, I want you to just pretend that you're in the most relaxing place you can remember. Just pretend that you are more comfortable than you've ever been before. Just pretend that your breathing is slowing down and helping you enjoy this deep and luxurious relaxation. And the more you pretend that you're relaxing, the more comfortable you become. The more comfortable you become, the more relaxed your body feels. And very soon, every time you take a breath, you'll feel more and more relaxed. And because of this growing feeling of relaxation inside you, you'll know what it's like when every muscle in your body is completely relaxed and completely stress-free. Just suppose that you are relaxing like that tonight. No rush, no hurry, a perfect night's sleep waiting for you when you go to bed and sooner or later you'll find yourself waking up after a whole week of great night's sleep. Trevor, that is deliciously smooth. That is wordcraft. I also noticed that you sneaked in some sensory distortion and this is where the script includes the person hearing or seeing something different than the normal experience. And then there's time distortion. This is where there is a suggestion to stretch time or condense it. An example. And you know, a minute of inner time can feel like a whole hour of clock time. Another neat phrase is to use a depth test. For example, you could try and open your eyes and be surprised at the result. And let's not forget the powerful effect that silence can have. Michael Yapko uses this to great effect in his Change is a Process CD. He says, I'm going to be quiet for a minute of clock time. And during that time, you can deepen your absorption in this comfortable experience. You can consider more carefully what you've grown and outgrown. And the minute of silence begins now. Genius. Do you use silence, Trevor? Oh, definitely. I highly recommend Pinterest pauses. Give the client time to do their own thinking and realising. Brilliant. So what's the bottom line? Anyone listening to this podcast can weave in the hypnotic words and Milton Erickson's techniques either into something they're writing or something they're making up as they go along. I'd suggest they start with a couple of sentences and see how it goes. Let it build up to a whole paragraph and then to a complete transition. It's really just about gaining confidence. Absolutely. And if something doesn't go well one time, then try something different next time. It's like learning to ride a bicycle. There will be a few times when you fall off or nearly fall off before you can ride no-handed. But definitely give it a try. I agree. Just have a go. And to leave you with a deliberate amnesic suggestion, that's something you can choose to forget or remember, and all the things we have talked about today will remind you that you can forget about being nervous and try writing a new script. 
today. Nice. Well, that's about it for this podcast. I hope you found it useful and I hope we've shown you how scripts are constructed. So it's goodbye from me, Kathy Eland. And it's goodbye from me, Trevor Edwards. See you next time. Bye. Bye.